This is a more than just podcast production. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 326 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Eternal. I'm in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Oh. Alrighty. So, yeah, here we are. Um, I guess we'll just start off with a fact check. Uh, last time we were talking, we were talking about, I said many moons. And I always was under the impression that many moons meant days. But in fact, Mark and, and Jaime were correct. I did check it out. Uh, many moons ago is an old-fashioned expression that means many uh, means a long time ago, but moons generally refers to months, which is where the word month comes from. Um, and uh, yeah, it's an expression meaning, you know, it's just, just literal, it says here, but uh, yeah, I think it means that uh, it's moons um, like months. And the other thing too, uh, so another point is I want to sort of, you know, do a shout out to uh, Ch- Charles Getschke, um, you know, one of the founders of Adobe along with John Warnock, you know, ex of um, uh, Xerox Park, those whole, crew, you know, crew of people. Um, Carol and I were Actually, in Mac, at a Macworld Boston for, and, and we were invited to an offsite uh, Adobe event, and it turned out, which I knew about, uh, it turned out to be they were introducing, uh, they had finally they'd been working on a product called K2, which, you know, the Mountain K2, uh, which was meant to be a Quark Express killer, which was the front runner in, in uh, page layout production on Macs, and uh, I don't think it was on Windows at, at that point, but they introduced uh, InDesign, which is what K2 became. And But at that keynote, before they introduced Adobe uh, InDesign, it was the day that Chuck, Dr. Chuck Getschke announced his retirement, and uh, the reason I'm bringing him up today is that he passed away last Friday, so rest in peace. And um, for me, Postscript is was a huge uh, thing. I was, you know, people post those things on Twitter, and they say, you know, what was your first programming language, and whatever. And I often think HyperCard was, but I forgot until I till this morning that uh, Postscript actually was my gateway drug into being a software developer, because we had uh, we I used to be in, in uh, print production and we used to do pre-presses called um, and we used to do output to film image setters and um, the postscript file used to always mess up on our uh, we used to get extra pieces of film coming out you know which was expensive back then and uh, so we used to have to grab the postscript file before we sent it to the printer um, and then you know rather than just print directly to the printer we'd grab the postscript file edit it in a text editor and remove the unwanted pages and so editing postscript was my introduction to the magic that is software development. Thanks again to Chuck Detsky for and John Warnock for the invention of Postscript. This show wouldn't be on the air right now if it wasn't for them. There you go. Alrighty, and uh, we have an Ask MTJC sort of, Jaime? We do. It looks like uh, you and Sean Marston were talking about, uh, let's see, well, I'll just le- read it literally here. Uh, real-time follow-up, 27-inch iMac has a 5K screen. I had one. Yeah, and so the discussion was around, I mean, and again, this is, I, I sort of tweeted to him in, in, in the conversation that uh, this is the, the dangers of reading a web page live on a podcast is that uh, when you guys were talking about um, um, the devices and you went on to something else and I went over to, to, to the Apple site and grabbed the first page that came across me and and 
misread it that said that you know that I, I misread that, that that there was in fact a 5k screen on the current IMAX right the ones that are shipping now um, because I didn't go to like the comparison page I went to the single um, unit page so anyway he was right I was wrong <laughs> that's why we have follow-up right indeed yes. and it's yeah. tough because these things change over time and I'm guessing you probably often look at the Canadian store and there's so many caveats but it's good to get it out there because now that we've seen that I like, kind of vaguely remember that there was a 5k but well, there was that iMac Pro right the sort of space gray brown black you know and it had the keyboard and the black mouse or black trackpad and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. blackish trackpad and uh, that one that one definitely had a 4k when it or 5k when it first came out right and uh, yeah and I guess they must have brought them down because Mark Mark always wanted on his wish list was always a 5k Apple display right yeah I always wanted an upgraded Thunderbolt display but it never actually happened never came Alrighty, moving along in our follow-ups we were also talking about uh, Jaime and I were talking about the 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 challenge of using international keyboards um, so I found this site on Apple's website that uh, talks about how to identify um, keyboard localizations and sadly Jaime like so so the, the return key that you and I were talking about was the one that's like double high and narrow and so you end up keep, keep hitting the wrong keys but it turns out that the American style return key is is not that popular if you look at all these different keyboards that are there right you know Belgian and they're, they're in alphabetical order by country sort of thing right so they go all the way down I think it's not near the very end is where you get to the US one um, so yeah so I guess it's pretty common for a return key to be tall and thin right now I've used keyboards like that here in the US with a tall return key like that yeah I'm pretty sure the Selectric Selectric typewriter used to have a key like that remember those sort of <laughs> the IBM the, the big IBM ones you know yeah. the, the, the little the, the ball that spun yeah. around yeah and, yeah I sort of remember yeah like we had one I don't know what it what must have got rid of it when we moved at one point but uh, mm-hmm. they were super expensive people they used to steal them like they were you know, five six grand or whatever to buy them right so mm-hmm. there's a big market in black market electric typewriters but yeah this is actually pretty fascinating and yes so i scrolled way down well first i looked in the b's for british um but no it's english great britain is uh is the keyboard layout that is uh, very unfamiliar to me there is english international with a z which is interesting and then just plain english which i think is the american one just looking very very cursory glance at the um at the layout yeah because the canadian keyboard and the u.s keyboard are, are similar in the french canadian keyboard is different because they have extra accents but um our keyboard that we use in canada english is similar i believe it's the same layout as the u.s one yeah the english what they've got they're calling english here right yeah no, so i mean i have one of those in front of me right now and i can confirm that yes <laughs> the one that says english is is the u.s one because like i said it's right in front of me right now yeah and and of course i looked at like all right yeah I, as far as i know the the symbol for the canadian dollar is the same as the american dollar so i didn't expect it <laughs> and i said oh, ours is a beaver come on well <laughs> there's there's tree. french and french canadian i said hmm what would be the difference is it well okay uh one is probably like euros versus uh dollars i would guess maybe for the french know. canadian one um, oh is there french and french canadian right beside each other okay french let's have a look quick look here but yeah yeah the um the, the Canadian the has shape. an extra U on it. <laughs> a longer but U. Um, it's got an extra two U keys. Yeah. True. I have used French keyboards before. It's it's a, an adjustment. Turkey has two. There's a Turkey keyboard and a Turkish keyboard. That is oh, really? Wow. Interesting there. There's some, I'm sure there must be some funny history behind the way some of these break out. Um, I'll make a call back to way, probably, uh, what, five years ago now when I accidentally was sent by our IT folks or, or Apple 
itself, I never was able to figure it out, is accidentally sent one of the Arabic keyboards. Oh, wow. Which, um, thankfully, it was a pretty easy thing to just <laughs> ship it back and get a new one sent. But it was it was entertaining to, to see a keyboard that had symbols on it I, I understood and also symbols mm. I did not understand. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody enter like kanji or any of the sort of um, Asian type fonts? Yeah, with the, the input method editor, keys. IME. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's very yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Cool. Right. Enough about that. We were also talking last time about the... Um, I had heard that uh, Apple got nominated for a couple of Academy Awards, which is coming up next weekend, I think. Um, in fact, yeah, their TV, the, the movie Wolfwalkers and Greyhound, which we've, Jaime and I at least have seen, was also, were both nominated for uh, Academy Awards. So it could be interesting to see if Apple wins an Academy Award. Who goes up to collect it? Collect it. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I mean, if you're if you're subscribed to Apple TV Plus, I think you absolutely should watch these two movies. If you only had to choose one of the two because you somehow don't have uh, that much time, I think watching Wolf Walkers is probably better. I think it is more legitimately uh, a contender for best animated feature than than some of the others. Uh, no, no slight against uh, Soul, which is probably going to win. Um, I, I just think this was such a, a beautiful movie where every cell is like a storybook that you might read to a child. You could just take one of those frames, put it in a children's book, and it would look you know just as good the entire time. So it's great. And I also do recommend uh, Greyhound. It's it's Tom Hanks. It's it's a fun uh, you know tense thriller. You know, uh, destroyer versus a um, uh, World War II destroyer versus a, um, uh, a submarine. Submarine, yeah. Uh, and the sound is actually really good. I mean, I'm not surprised that it, it won that because they have to do a lot of cool things with the the sonar acoustics and etc. So. It, it's definitely good. Yeah, it was a good movie, surprisingly. Yeah. And then next, uh, we also talked about uh, Siri, and uh, Apple has added some gender-neutral Siri voices. I don't know. If we, did we not talk about that a while back? Oh, we did talk about that, no? Yeah, no, but this I is, think a, we might this have, is a relatively new story. It, it's one of those things where, you know, 14.5 is the, I guess, spoilers for the rest of the show, but, like, it was the never-going-to-actually-ship <laughs> point <laughs> release that uh, <laughs> it, it looks like it's coming at 14.5, which is imminent now. Uh, I've been waiting for 14.5 for months. I it, it might be it might be like three or four months now. Uh, but yeah, it'll be good to, to see those new uh, new voices and see what those are like. Yeah, but I definitely I'm, I'm drawing a I definitely think a year or two ago we talked about something something along the lines of maybe Mac the Mac each synthesizer having a you know general neutral intonations. Right? Interesting stuff. Um, do we want to talk about LG quitting smartphones? Do we care? Only in a very quick you know um, okay uh, sure. pour pour out a beer for on Give the ground. For the, yeah. the fallen of <laughs> LG, which if folks are wondering, you know, why did LG get out of the market? I'll remind you, and granted, my, my information is out of date, but for a very long time, Apple and Samsung combined had something like 105, 110% of the profits. If you say, wait a minute, Lopez, how can they have more than 100% of the profits? It's because everybody else was losing money, like hand over fist in the mobile market. So oh. uh, Apple had something like 90 plus percent of the profit, and then Samsung do the math is like 15 ish percent more. So I'm not surprised that after a very long time, LG just all the quits. They're, it's just, you know, losing money. There's, there's no yeah, like sense. 1995, it says here they started, right? So that's quite a while. Yeah, yeah I had an LG early? flip phone, uh, yep. which was brilliant. It was like the sunshine or something. It was great for the time. But I think uh, I had that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys didn't have the Motorola or was that not a choice? StarTac. Mm. Don't never owned a Motorola Razor. 
No, Motorola had one the, of the first the Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek was the really early flip phone. Yeah, yeah. And they actually did name it after Star Trek because it kind of had that communicator really? kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. That was up. no accident. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had some friends who had those ones too, for sure. sure. Um, yeah, and, and we we did talk about this coming soon. Um, that Adobe, sorry, ugh, Adobe on the brain, Apple, uh, Amazon, and I thought Google too was also involved in this um, coming together to uh, the partnership for home automation um not specifically for home kit but yeah they're they're talking about uh, having devices that talk to each other the, the zigbee alliance i think we talked about that a few episodes ago right so um devices that will use a shared sort of uh style maybe maybe the air tags will work with them too but um just hypothesis hypothesizing um yeah so what do you think about that i mean i'm i love the fact that i've you know got 27 different standards of home automation in my house right now <laughs> i mean i think it's good that there is a standard that's seeing some fruit right because there's if this was a, a a video you would smash cut to the xkcd you know there there should be a standard and now there's 15 standards sort of uh, right comic um it is good to see that there is a standard that is bearing some fruit because as you pointed out it's very silly to have all all these different isolated islands of devices that only work in certain ecosystems. We are able to communicate in, you know, a very coordinated and, and standards-based way because of the beauty of, you know, pick your flavor of TCP IP, HTTP, other tons of protocols that are standardized, everybody follows. I think it's nice to see the industry for um, Internet of Things and, you know, home automation stuff start to consolidate around this because there's there's no real strong advantage anymore to having your own little silo. It's actually better if everybody's devices can work seamlessly. So this is a huge win yeah. from my, my standpoint. I mean, like, you know, we're an Apple-centric house, so we have, you know, all of our HomeKit stuff and we have a bunch of HomePods and whatever and yet i have a nest doorbell and then i only reason i have a google google home in the basement is to announce when somebody's at the front door you know um and yeah and i i did subscribe to the service to get uh, the the feed stored on the cloud but and then we have an amazon to tell us when the amazon packages have arrived or, or what, where the shipments are or what's in them right kind of thing um yeah so it's kind of it's kind of crazy that i have to have three different standards and you know three different subscriptions to basically automate my house and thankfully all the lights and everything are, are either controlled through uh either they have built-in timers or they're controlled through um, HomeKit, right? It's annoying. <laughs> anyway, all right. So speaking of things coming together, um, Swift, the Swift.org people have, uh, Apple and I guess the Swift.org people have now introduced another um, nice little feature into the Swift language, or standard library, I guess, is uh, they added Swift algorithms, which we talked about before, and I believe we talked about Swift numerics, but th- now they've added Swift collections, which, you know, if you're doing a technical interview, will make it really easy for you to, to uh, talk about how to get things in and out of arrays and sets and dictionaries, right? Because now they've got this DQ, or pronounced DEC. I read it as DQ, but DEC. Um, that basically allows you to uh, enter things into arrays. Um, you know, normally we would append things into arrays or, or insert out a key point. Uh, now you can prepend uh, items into arrays as well as uh, append them. And you can pop the first and pop the last off as well, off an array too, which is kind of cool. And then um, they've got, uh, I believe they have ordered sets as well. So now you can have a set of things. Um, and now the set is unique values, right? Correct. Um, but but unordered. Yeah. There's no guaranteed yeah. order to a set in right. The, right. the standard plain vanilla set. Right. Whereas an array might have an order, right? Or does have an order. But so yeah, Definitely so now you can order. now you can basically build an ordered set and you know that when you put one, two, three items into it, they're going to come out in one, two, three order, right? And, um, and hopefully they, the rollout of those will be better than the rollout of ordered sets on Objective-C. Right. <laughs> 
Raise your raise your hand <laughs> if you remember. Still waiting for those? <laughs> no, no, no. I've they, least ordered set they of see What was the what was the rollout you're talking when about? When they well, when they first came out, they they were horrible. They basically just didn't work right. They were just a big mess. Um, and I mean, it, it got fixed fairly quickly. But yeah, but like the very first version when they came out, just they just didn't work at all. <laughs> so you would try to you would try to use them and try to get the ordered uh, values, and nope, sorry, orders are not guaranteed, and my ordered the set. orders are not guaranteed. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a mess. You can also you can also so you can query uh, a, a order set with uh, contains to find out you know if mm-hmm. a value exists or not. You can append. I'm not sure why they're saying append and is it append here inserts. Oh, false at index zero. Mm-hmm. That's confusing. Anyway, uh, also uh, order dictionaries. Yay, order dictionaries again. Dictionaries again. No guarantee of, of orders when things come out of a dictionary, but now you can put things in an order dictionary and know that, like for instance, an example here they've got is is some uh, network uh, results you know, 200, 400, 403, and 404 will come out in the order in which you put them in there. So, which is kind of cool. And then the, the the article goes on a bit deeper into, I don't know if you guys have read more into it than that. It would have been nice if they talked about some of the trade-offs, right? So they are talking about how you get these speed increases, which is great, but there's got to be something like, mm-hmm. like presumably, presumably the deck is, is just like a, you know, a, a, a double-ended order. What do they call it? A double directional or a link list? Double-ended queue would be what I would call it, but I understand that's a that's a whole right, right, right. But, phrase. But the, so that's why they chose deck. Right, right. But the implementation of it would be just like a a bidirectional or whatever they're called uh, linked list, right? That has a a link forward and a link back, so you can right. put things in the front in zero time as well as as in the back or things something like that. So so there's got to be some trade off there, and it presumably it just takes up more memory um, that you that you trade off in order to get the better performance. So it it would have been cool to to see something like that in here, but otherwise it's a pretty good article. It's good. Yeah, I mean, you would, you would think maybe memory would be the way that things would go weird. Yes, because, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because you're gonna you normally you'd have a stack and you put things into the stack and you're just appending it onto the memory address set, no next available memory address, right? Right. But if you want to put something at the beginning, are you putting it? At, are you moving everything over one, or you know what I mean, to get something in the front? Right. That's what. Yeah. That's hence the linked list. Yeah. yeah. Or is there? Or is there like an index that's built in? It doesn't. It still goes into the fourth or fifth position, but it's it's recorded as being in the first or second, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah. That seems like. Be really slow, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is definitely to, to Mark's point. This is definitely a call to um, to really good documentation for this sort of thing. Where, and I don't know if it applies here in these implementations, but I have seen other uh, data structures um, described in libraries that'll say, "Okay, it behaves this way until you have this number of elements, and then right. if you get more elements, it switches to a different algorithm that has this other sort of trade-offs." Right. So it might say, "Oh, okay, well." Uh, you can add, you know, ten thousand elements, and this is how much memory it'll use. This is how much um, time it'll take. This is how much, you know, other characteristics. But then, if you start getting, you know, more elements than that, it switches to this other algorithm, and the the memory and time and etc. change additionally based on this rate. And that's really helpful yep. to know, right? Yeah. Because uh, you don't want to be like, hey, it works super great, and then that ten thousandth and one element <laughs> is what completely destroys the the, the utility of this. So it's really good i think to document that sort of thing uh it's hard 
as a, a, a library writer, I get it. Like you, you kind of don't want to reveal the internals until you're really, really sure that you can uh, make those strong guarantees. But I do think for this sort of thing, that's, that's foundational. You, you really want to get to that point where you can very clearly describe, here's what happens, however large this gets. Now this, this article does to its credit, show some benchmarks on the, yeah, the speed, exactly. uh, you know, performance improvements that you get, but it almost looks too magical, right? Because it, it doesn't <laughs> say that there's any downside to it. So yeah, they should maybe be a little bit more uh, forthcoming there. Well, that green line that they have there is, I guess it's the control is the array, right? Yep. Um, standard array. And, and it looks like these things, you know, over time and, you know, in terms of size don't grow that great, but why does the array one shoot up like a hockey stick? That would be my question. Oh, because, well, it's order N, right? So it's, they're, they're plotting membership testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So the more, if you just have a plain old array, on, it, you don't have any idea what's in all the elements. So if you want to check if certain element exists in the array, all you can do best, well, the best worst, let's see, the worst case result, the best worst race case result you have is just, it takes, you have to look at every single one. So as the number of items goes up, it just, the time increases linearly. So in these, in these examples that they got benchmarked here, that would see to me as, you know, as a non-CI person, Mm -hmm. I look at this and say, uh, or CS person, I mean, uh, it, it looks like they're relatively efficient over time, right? And they are. Yes. Right. That's, that's because it's a set, it's all, it's hashable and and they can, they can, uh, you know, use, use the hash tables to quickly, very quickly find where this thing might sit, right? Since you can only have one of a certain value in the set, then you can, you can reserve a certain memory location for that one value based on the hash. And so if you want to know if that value exists in, in the set, well, you know where it has to exist, where it's supposed to sit if it exists. So you just check that one location. So it's a constant time operation. Very, very efficient to find things. Cool. All right. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Alrighty. So yeah, we're, we wanted to gather here today because yesterday, Wednesday, April 21st, because yesterday was 420 and yeah, we were all just laid back and, you know, no, I'm kidding. Um, yesterday we had the Apple event, the Apple Spring event, uh, where Apple announced a bunch of nice new things uh, for those of us. And um, I think uh, if we can build off the rumor mill, first of all, there was a number of stories that were coming out about what, what we would expect. And I don't think there was any surprises in terms of what we saw, right? I don't know. Oh, purple? Maybe, were you expecting a purple phone? Yeah, that wasn't that was no. Well, Touch ID that was and, not rumored. And, and the podcast thing, too, was, was we weren't expecting that. But yeah, no, you're right. The colors, the, the, <laughs> the, rumor, the rumor guys totally messed up on the colors. Totally missed so the colors. Got to give them a strike on that one, right? For sure. Um, yeah, so why don't we just dig in? I mean, you've got the list here and, and I've got some notes and we can just sort of start riffing on what was up for... Well, first of all, Tim Cook said, you know, they were talking about this it's celebration of Earth Day week and they talked about how, you know, Apple Apple is wonderfully carbon neutral across their global infrastructure and by 2030, Apple would be 100% um, green across their entire supplier chain, which is kind of an interesting, you know, position to be in, right? So like the, the not only it's like the, you know, getting getting your, your suppliers to, to buy into that too is kind of cool, right? For the environment and all. And then they said Apple Car 
D. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but I can't, like you know, we were all la- we were joking before it started about introducing an Apple Car, right? And then he went, and he literally we all heard it as Apple Car. Duh. Or was it Apple anyway. Car? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Why don't you tell us about the Apple Car? Duh. I mean, yeah, I, it's definitely you know, given that we're in the live streaming era, it's like, so is that the live stream a little slow? Is it weird intonation? Is right. it you know the adrenaline has got me pumped up so fast the time is slowing down for me um but this was you know these first two items uh starting with apple card family were in the i call it hold my beer mode that tim cook was in of like let me just get a whole bunch of these things right out of the way that i feel like you know had they spent more than the hour because uh, it's a very very packed hour of, of content i feel like you you could have gotten more details we were like let's just get this off the table so apple card family where spouses and partners can share credit building history versus sort of the traditional model of you both have registered access to the card, but somebody's considered primary and they're the ones building the history and you're just sort of tagging along. Um, in this case, uh, in addition to spouses and partners, you can have uh, folks over the age of 13 with additional optional controls as part of this whole Apple Card family thing. So even presumably your your, your teenage children can start building their credit history um, through this, which is, uh, which is neat, real neat. Um, unfortunately, yeah, nice, they did yeah. not announce availability in Canada, which is what I thought for sure was going to happen when he brought up Apple Card or you know additional bits there, but uh, I'm sure it'll come soon. Well, I think it, 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 they did talk about Apple. Oh no, we had the Apple Card, uh, Apple Card, um, and Apple Cash trademarks were registered in Canada a few months ago, right? But yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> the other announcement was I'll, I'll do this one. Number two was was Apple Podcast subscriptions, which you know was kind of interesting. Um, they for for twenty dollars or sorry nineteen dollars US, I guess Apple is going to. Um, allow podcasters to um, join in the program. And again, it's similar to the App Store uh, commission structure where they'll take 30% up to a certain limit and then 15% after the first year, I think, of, of revenues from uh, podcasters. Um, guffaw, by the way. Um, but uh, the idea behind Apple Podcasts is you could have, you know, extra content, specific, you know, content that's exclusive, longer, maybe longer after hour, after shows. Uh, we'll put those on the on the uh, subscription page. Um, but, you know, based on, you know, I, I'm a bit cynical about, you know, apps, app, app sales in general, and I'm also a bit cynical about people supporting um, podcasts based on prior experience, I gotta say. Um, I'm not so sure that, that this is for the everyman podcaster. This is probably more for the bigger the bigger players, right? What do you guys think? I do think that you're right that I, I look, I can't see, <laughs> we were joking about <laughs> 30% or zero is still zero, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Right. They and then scrounge out a, a dirty $20 bill out of my pocket to pay Apple yearly for the the privilege of being part of this for uh you know for us being in that space. I do think that um certainly the 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 top end like the truly truly top end of this podcasting market I think will not like the the split, right? I think that 30% for the first year and 50% thereafter is too high for them and and they're better off pushing people to their own their own bespoke models or using something like um like Glow that, that charges less. So I think the low end is also kind of, you know, out of the picture for this, right? If you got, you know, a handful of, of really dedicated fans, that's great, but that's not going to be that much money. So I think the real sweet spot for this is sort of that that middle market where you're you're not an NPR, um, you're not three people in a basement uh, at the bottom, and you're probably just on the edge. Like I feel like um, like Leo 
supports Twitch, or sorry, Twit, uh, might be on the on the top end of this, right, and probably yeah, more yeah. distinctly somebody like like Dan Benjamin's five by five network somewhere in there. Where like the trade off is you don't have to manage all that stuff, and you do have it be seamless and easy because it's just wonderful through everybody's you know uh, iTunes account, uh, their Apple Card, you know all these different ways that Apple has owned the relationship. So I, I think I find it is uh, uh, in general positive. I just don't think it's it's not going to be the panacea, right? It's not the silver bullet for folks. You aren't going to have a huge wave of people suddenly uh, you know, quitting their jobs and becoming professional podcasters. Um, well, but, you never know. <laughs> I mean, well, now how much would you pay for us to be professionally podcasters and <laughs> throw in your money? Put your money where your mouth is, folks. <laughs> we've had fans of our shows who, who started YouTube careers while we've been doing this podcast for six year, six and a half years now, almost seven years. And, uh, and they've done quite well. I mean, some of them are working full time, you know, just doing podcasts or sorry, doing video video stuff on on youtube my question i do though have though is we've lost some subscribers to patreon right like we had some supporters on patreon and, and there was some hiccups with patreon some questions about you know their practices whatever and uh, yeah we've actually had people pull pull their their um, their patronage of us uh, off of there um and also you know youtube has got these crazy rules about you have to have you know four thousand listeners and ten thousand listens per month or some uh, don't quote me on those numbers but you have to have numbers in order to, to be able to get revenue from from youtube you know more power to those of you who do but um so that's challenging but i mean do you think people would feel better about the money going through apple like you said the, the i hadn't really thought about the apple id you know subscription thing being you know easy peasy for most people right um, but do you think do you think that uh, giving people will feel less apprehensive about giving money to Apple on our behalf? Oh, that's a good point I hadn't thought about. And that there, you know, there have been other you know other ways for folks to make money that through no fault of the creator, the 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 middleman taking the money on their behalf has done something sleazy, and people don't yeah. rightfully don't want to have a business relationship, and the creator gets hurt through, through no fault of their own because in many cases it's it's hard to keep up with that sort of thing, right? So I think that is a, a nice benefit of this is that i mean if you have something in terms of heartburn with apple like you're you're leaving altogether for the, the ecosystem right um and i think it's less likely for apple to do the, the the crazy sleazy thing in search of you know a tiny amount of profit than than others might do so this might add some stability to that yeah that's that's a good point yeah i don't know it might help build too i mean like like the thing is like today i mean when we started this you know six and a half years ago there were a number of podcasts but there weren't great numbers but now this seems like everybody in his brother has a podcast right you know which is great i mean like I, no i mean like like tim cook said they started out with i don't know what sixty thousand or something initially and then now they're into millions of shows people can choose from and i also like the fact that he, we didn't talk about this but they they're chart, starting to do channeling where they'll be able to have like a tech channel for instance maybe you know and uh and be able to do recommendations to people through the podcast app i mean which is kind of nice so the, you know i did actually take the podcast app the apple podcast app for a drive uh the other day yesterday actually when when I heard about this, just to see what what they've been up to, and like you know, we've started add, adding chapter headings into into our feed so people can skip around in different parts of the show and go back and listen to something that they that they heard us say. Um, and as well, you know, they they've added more sort of look and feel to to the podcast app. So they've not been just sit you know resting on the laurels, you know, uh, with the podcast app. They've, they've made some improvements, and this new um, screenshot that he showed seemed to have more sort of more uh, more things about that because. 
for I mean, like like just like with the App Store, uh, discovery is the challenge. I think you know, a lot, I don't know. I, maybe people can let us know how they find out about the show. But um, like, how do people find us? Right? I, I really don't know. You know? Yeah, it's kind of hard to put analytics into a podcast. Yeah, and and again, you know, the analytics we do get are kind of they're kind of lame anyway. But in fact, I, for one of our for both of our shows, I've stopped doing the analytics uh, thing. One of the services we were using offered it for free, and it was like useless to me, so I just stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so that's cool. Yeah, so the the, uh, the promise of subscriptions obviously is for ad free liber- listening. I don't know if people have noticed, but we haven't had very many ads in the last year. Um, and uh, 170 regions, I think they talked about uh, where the where the podcast app is going to be able to cater to people, right? So, and then Prince entered the dialogue. It's funny <laughs> you mentioned that because all right, we'll, we'll we'll get there, right? But you're the you're, master you're, of segues. You know that you're, you're, you're hinting uh, very very nicely and segueing very nicely into the the new iPhone color. It is um, some color of purple. I would call it lavender or lilac. Mauve, of maybe mauve. Yeah, but I could see mauve. I could see mauve. But it is not. And and longtime fans of the show know that I've been asking for a purple rain color. So 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 go into your attic and uh, and get out your your parents' LPs. That that would be the the big you know <laughs> plastic disc and go find the one that has prints on it and purple rain. You see that color? I want that purple. And in lieu of uh-huh. having that color, because you know maybe it's copyrighted or trademarked or something, go into your 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 kitchen pantry, pull out the grape Kool Aid, <laughs> and that color of purple is an acceptable one. And and you're wondering what is the difference? Like, well, because lavender and lilac are not purple. I want you bought the the cheap sixteen color Crayola crayon box. That purple <laughs> is the color of purple. I right. want. Nothing <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with this one. It's a little bit more uh, uh, light and pastel and springy. Great popsicle color, right? Yeah. yeah, which is fine. But I I, I want purple. So uh, closer, yeah, closer to getting what I want. Color. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like Carol. With Carol's really fussy about the color red. She likes the product red color. And for up until you know a few years ago, Apple you know had red, but they didn't quite have product red. She's really into that particular red color. But so uh, just sidebar here. Do you guys know the history of the color purple? Like why it, why it was the king's color? I don't I know for sure, but I would speculate so it's probably difficult to make. Very costly. difficult to make. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was super super expensive to make uh, purple, which is why the king kings and rulers of countries had had access to color purple. But it was actually in um, when they started using uh, gaslight um, to light the cities, and uh, you get this this off gassing called coal black. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Like it builds up on the on the glass of the of the lanterns and stuff like that well they found somebody accidentally threw a bunch of this coal black stuff into water and it turned purple and that was so so purple was a color invented sort of during the industrial revolution because of the fact that they didn't know how to make it up until that point and that's the history of color purple that's a really bad history i'm sure but i watched a show called connections back in the day people you know might remember that one but james burke i think was the name of the host um but yeah they he, t- he did a connections episode about the color purple once which i kind of thought was cool end of sidebar so I find it odd that they introduced this next thing as Find My. It used to be Find My iPhone initially, right? Yeah, they the changed service. it relatively recently to be more than more inclusive, and and um, I guess they officially maybe opened up the uh, the whole third party things, and more than just Apple itself can participate. Right. right. So so Tile, if you're out, there, I don't if you're listening to the show, Sorry, Tile. Yeah. Uh, I'm not you, buying another Tile. <laughs> tile, if you're if you're listening to our our uh, our fine show, uh, you can participate in the Find My 
network as well. <laughs> can they? Yeah, it's, it's open to third parties. I don't know if oh, right. random people off the street can do it. I assume it's probably like the MFI program where you, you got to be, you know, this tall to, to enter sort of thing. Yeah, I've been using Tile for like since 2013 or something, whenever it came out. I remember when, when it was, in, I met one of the developers or a friend of the developers at a Mac or at WWDC once. And um, yeah, so I've been using Tile ever since and, and really annoying that, you know, they run for a year and then you have to replace them because they, 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 up until recently, they didn't have replaceable batteries. But I think what I'm alluding to is Apple has finally come out with this new item called AirTag, um, which is kind of cool, right? Um, inexpensive as well. Like, I mean, um, you know, I think the tiles are like $60 a piece. These are like $29 US bucks. or yeah, that was 39 Canadian. Yeah. Well, the only thing about it is, though, Mark, is is that, you know, at least tile has a hole so you can put it on your keychain right away. Mm. Whereas with AirTag, you have to buy some sort of accessory, which, spoilers for my mean, pick, um, you know, you have to put this in something. To, to to make it work right to, to you know otherwise you're just filing finding a tile like you know it's like finding a quarter in your pocket but what do you what do you guys think about this uh, this new device actually you can change batteries too that was one of the questions that uh, pe- people asked about so I think we've been waiting for them so long that no one's really surprised or shocked right and it's 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 sort of hard to sort of hard to get excited because we've known there it's coming and it it does exactly what everyone thought it was gonna do right but it's yeah, but it's a cool 10, thing yeah it's a yeah. cool thing and it's a good price uh, you know, I kind of wonder, I, I, it, this just occurred to me today that uh, when I was thinking about the fact that we've been waiting for these things for a long time, and I wonder if they were act, they actually were ready a year ago and Apple just made a kind of a brilliant marketing decision that when nobody's leaving the house because of the pandemic, they don't really need a lot of these tags. So they wouldn't buy that many. And if they and if they went out a year ago, it might've been considered a failure. Right. Good point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking, I don't know if it was specifically about this part of the show, but yeah, it's... Um, Oh no, we were talk- when we get to the iPad and we talk start talking about 5G again. You know, it's kind of right now in Toronto. You know, we're we're our our third wave is worse than our first and second wave, and we've now all been ordered to stay home. Like I, I, I heard, heard you guys that. were protecting, yeah. Yeah. you guys were protecting place last March and April, right? Um, we're now at that point, you know, and and unsurprisingly so. But uh, you know, and when somebody introduces to me to a five five G device, I'm like, great, I can use it when I'm walking my dog. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. Uh, well, to to some of the points about pricing, I think it's a good price. Uh, so that is one for $29 US or a four pack uh, for a little mm-hmm. bit of savings there to $99 US. It could be a great price, however, had they included even the most basic of, of mm. key ring straps, right? And this is the part yeah, that's like, eh, it's kind of chintzy. It's kind of like, well, I understand the not everybody's going to want that. You might just throw it in your gym bag and, and it's great. It doesn't necessarily need the ring, um, but it'd be nice to have even a a, a cheap fluorelastomer one, right? Like imagine buying an Apple watch and they didn't give you a band, which maybe they might do in the future. If like you can get a band separately, maybe you already have a bazillion bands. It's different when you're, you're, you know, iterating on an existing product versus making a new yeah, product. Or even a double-sided like sticky back or something. So you could adhere it to something, right? Like, yeah. It's like nature gave you duct tape for a reason. So <laughs> use it. Right? <laughs> oh, and I just had a vision of all these air tags duct taped onto things. <laughs> just duct tape. It was like, where, where did I, parked my dang cars like just gonna put it right yeah. there on the on well i the guess side. the idea is you could throw it into your luggage and you could find your luggage on the carousel at the airport what's an airport you ask right mm. but um you know uh yeah i mean yeah i mean I, i'm gonna order four on friday or whenever they come available and uh, and i'll probably get carol a key ring you know like the apple red product red one for 45 dollars. you know like the the key ring the the holder costs more than the air tag right unless you go to third parties of 
course. But again, spoilers for Jaime's pick. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I I like the price. You know, I like the the idea. I like the fact that it works with my phone. Um, you know, with the with the Find My app, right? Yeah, and, it's got that and, precision finding with the U1 chip, um, which I had stated was a, a missed opportunity to make it look like the motion tracker from the movie Aliens with the dots right. and the sonar, <laughs> bing, ding, bing, ding, bing, ding, sort of thing. But, you know, I guess they couldn't have I gone didn't that notice. Are, are they magnetic, too? No. I don't, I don't so. believe no, they so. are. I don't believe they yeah. are. That would be um, kind of a nice thing. I'm yeah. kind of liking the, you know, the MagSafe thing on the on the phone right now, the way it clicks. Yeah, that's really charger. nice. Yeah, I'm getting used to that, too. And so having this do the same kind of thing where you could just kind of stick it onto something would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. Putting that'll it on be, a dog collar. The, yeah. you know, where that'd the heck did my dog go? Pro. Yeah, yeah. They talked about the safety feature like unwanted tag detection yeah i like that yeah which is so you great can't track people unwantedly right huh. so yeah yeah so you can, you can be told if like hey there's a tag that keeps moving with you and it's not one that's connected to this this account and apparently and it, this was not stated during the the event but after the fact apparently even android phones can at least read the tag using nfc so oh, they can nice. see yeah. the you know call so and so or email so and so to you know return this thing so that's nice but but you know it's it's interesting because i mean again that's something i said before i mean i remember when itunes took off when they introduced it to they made it available on windows right i remember you know when 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 they uh, iphone same thing when i when, when iphone could be managed on a windows device that's when the product kind of took off i mean so it makes sense to to you know not limit this to this you know walled garden that they like to accuse us of living in but to make it available to other platforms as much as they can i mean you know, like you said nfc being the, the sort of lowest common denominator here right you know? yeah and and the other thing because people are, are the way they are the internet this is not an anti-theft device this is a find my lost thing device you right. might be wondering what's the distinction it's like well um people were trying to come with like oh well what if i did blah 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 to like defeat your ability to find us like well then good you you have successfully stolen my my thing right like that was already possible this is intended to be dude where's my car right sort of thing where yeah. where, where did i, where did I leave yeah. my gym bag that's a good point you were to park yeah yeah, it's it's if it was going to be a, an anti-theft device, it would have to be, you know, enhanced like like the way a Batman villain would have of like knockout gas that activates in the surrounding area to to find the uh, the culprits. Yeah, it's tough. All right. And then he moved on to Apple. Well, they talked about Apple TV Plus and, and how wonderful Ted Lasso is. And one of our friends on the show who lives in England said, you guys watch that show? <laughs> I, it's, it's a good show. And I let me tell it. you, it was pretty funny. Let me tell you, um, I th- so if we did, if we went to England right now and got a bunch and, and hired a, you know, and made a show about American football where we brought an English guy over to be the coach of the Ameri- of the American football. Would you guys watch that? I think that happened, didn't it? <laughs> 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 I, I vaguely remember a movie about some soccer a movie. Well, maybe a movie about some soccer coach being a coach of a football team, and and uh, you know, at first no one thought it would work, and then of course it works at the end, and blah blah blah. Yeah, I'll have to look this up. Yeah, speaking of which, the Mighty Ducks has come back on the TV, right? Anyway, sorry, carry on, Jaime. Yeah, it, it, beyond just I think being an excuse to talk about Apple TV Plus and uh, legitimately show a trailer for the second season of a series that will start in July 23rd, which appears to be just outside the boundaries of everybody's uh, extensions on their on their free year of Apple TV plus uh, I think I think Ted Lasso is largely the actual hit of the Apple TV series. Well, they won a they won a, a 
Grammy or an Emmy or whatever for that, right? Yeah. So like Apple very clearly wanted uh, the morning show to be its big breakout hit. It very clearly right. wanted uh, for all mankind, even see and servant. Um, I, I happen to like, you know, those I happen to like mythic quests. Um, I like Ted Lasso, but I think from the, the people's choice of like what actually happened, I think it's Ted Lasso is, is the big breakout hit for Apple TV plus. Yeah. It, it is the most pedestrian of, of all the shows. I mean, it's the most like a TV show kind of thing, right? Whereas the rest are, they, they fit a particular genre, right? Yeah. So it, it's got a, a broader sort of appeal, you know, the fish out of water and yeah. uh, you, you can, it's easier to understand and, and, and laugh at. And I also think it came out at a good time that, that Ted Lasso is, is not all comedy. There's, there's definitely a, a, a drama aspect. So it's legitimately a dramedy, but there's just so much pure goodness in the show that I think came out at the right time when everybody's feeling very down after months and months of lockdown last year right so maybe uh, i i am hoping that they can uh they can continue to succeed even as we start you know coming out of the other side of this thing right cool well let's talk about the new apple tv plus 4k it's got the new next generation air a12 bionic chip for one thing it's got the hdr video high high definition frame rate right um has color balance built in as well and and you can measure the color balance with your phone which is brings me back to my pre-press days when we used to use hucks to measure and calibrate our monitors to you know make them more color accurate um yeah so that's kind of cool and a new remote i think that's the sort of maybe big story for this this device right as well as uh, the highfalutin power and stuff yeah i think in the post johnny ive era they can now get back to not only does it look good but it works good as well right, right? <laughs> so they, they they seem to have resolved a lot of the issues with the remote of being able to tell which way is up which way is up yeah. on this thing and having the the five-way click pad the touch sensitivity and the iPod-esque jog control. Oh, uh, jogging. Holy cow. I mean, give me a break. These all make sense to me, right? These are all things that 100% make sense, make sense. I feel like it's a good, solid remote. It is apparently also a remote that's compatible with existing Apple TV. Um, oh, nice. I don't know all models, probably the 4K models at the very minimum, but... So do you know if you can buy the remote by itself? I, I think you can. I think it's like $50 or something, so it's not cheap, oh, but cool. um, it's, it's, it's available there. Instabuy, yeah. Yeah, and the color balance feature is is really cool um i struggle with that sort of thing like it, you know am i actually making this look good or am i just doing a, a bad job so kind of nice to have something that tells you to do there yeah i was talking to somebody about the apple tv just in general i mean like uh, there is a slew of smart tvs out there but i mean an apple tv can make any tv a smart tv because you can have you have prime in it you have netflix you have youtube you have disney plus as well as apple and then there's sort of that whole sort of homogenous experience where apple the apple tv app pulls in content from those other those other apps, right? Um, so you can just flip through shows pretty much, right? So, I mean, the Apple TV uh, itself, the device um, is nice because it, it does that, you know? Um, so I don't know about you guys, but like I, I very rarely go off to the other parts of my other parts of my TV. There's just one one particular service I can't get through Apple TV, but um, for everything else, I just use the Apple TV and I've got my home, my new HomePod plugged into it too. So I've got the really good sound now happening, right? So well, Interesting. I'm sort of the opposite. I barely use my Apple TV actually. And what do you watch? And cable? it's because, yeah, I mean, I have I have cable and pretty much everything is is all available on there through a pretty simple interface. So for me to get to my Apple TV, it means getting another remote out and changing, you know, flipping over. It's kind of a pain. It's kind of a hassle. I, I use my phone mostly for my for my Apple TV. Right? Oh, I like, do too. Uh, like- yeah. And that is the other remote, right, that I use. But it's still, it, it maybe I just have a bad universal remote, but my universal remote handles pretty much everything except my Apple TV. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. 
okay. Yeah, because yeah, my, my TV remote does work rudimentally well with, with my uh, my Apple TV. I can do most things. I can pause. I can you know go back and forth oh, and up and down. Okay. I have a direction pad on my on my my Samsung remote that came with my TV. Yeah. Um, plus, plus you know, anything I, anytime I have to do keyboard input, I use my phone for that, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's gotten to the point where, you know, if I want to watch something on the Apple TV, I just either double tap the remote or or, um, or open up the remote app on my on my phone and then uh, my TV automatically senses which HDMI port is active and switches over automatically. So uh, even if I'm watching cable TV, which I do I do watch cable TV too, but even if I am watching cable TV and I want to watch something like maybe stream from my phone to the big screen, like if I want to watch the Apple event or something like that or some training courses or whatever, I'll just send it to the Apple TV and it'll switch my TV over and, and I've got the awesome HomePod audio and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. Anything else we want to say about the Apple TV, honey? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in my two cents. So I do not own an Apple TV. I own a, a Roku. That's because I bought this Roku and into the system back when Apple and Amazon were, were fighting each other and the, the, the neutral country was Roku that had access to just about everything. And that's become even more true as Apple has extended out its Apple TV Plus service and AirPlay to non-Apple devices. So it's um, a better situation, I think, for everybody in that you can just get the content uh, any way you want. In terms of the Apple TV 4K device, it feels like it's in a weird spot. So I, I think it's either, I don't know, it, it is simultaneously too expensive and not expensive enough. And you might wonder, <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, well, at 179 and 199 US for 32 gigs and 64 gigs, it is too expensive to really compete with the uh, Fire TVs, Rokus, and it's in Chromecast, etc. of the world. And that's for the TV streaming sort of, uh, you know, media streaming capabilities. When it comes to gaming, which is where that higher frame rate and the A12 Bionic can really, really, you know, earn its keep, it's underpowered compared to actual game systems. So it's kind of in a weird, like the opposite of a sweet spot, right? It's it's kind of in a weird middle where I think the device capability is perfectly fine if they remove, you know, big chunks of money off the price. Or I would like to see future iterations of this really try to compete in the gaming area if they're even looking to do that. It, it just feels like this is trying to serve um, too many purposes and not being especially good at either one, even though it's uh, well and good for uh, on average. Interesting. You know, I, one of our friends of our show um, quoted me, quoted something to me the other day. He called it the medium popcorn problem. Is this the medium popcorn problem, do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Do you want to explain that for folks who, uh, I don't know if this works culturally, certainly Canada and America, this this is a, a shared culture we have. Yeah, so we, we've talked about this on the show before, and, and it's when you give somebody choices of three, and, and it's a movie it's a movie theater trick where they give you a small popcorn, which is reasonably sized, and they give you the big giant bag of popcorn, and then they give you a medium popcorn. And the idea behind it is you don't want to have, the, the small is too small, but you don't want to seem as like, you know, you don't want to seem like you're, you know, gorging on popcorn so you so you opt to the medium popcorn but what they do with the pricing is they make it so that the medium popcorn is slightly less expensive than the large right so the you know for an extra couple of shekels you can go to the large and a lot of times what people do is they go oh well yeah i'll get the large because it's just a few more shekels right um and that's we we've talked about that on the show many many times where there's three choices given to you and generally people will go for the large choice because it's not that much 
rich, expensive. But, and it's sort of what you're saying is, you know, as, you know, I can get a stick, a TV on a stick, right? Like a Roku or, or those, what's the Google thing? Um, where you just plug like it in Chromecast your HDMI the, port. Yeah. Chromecast, yeah. And then, or you can go for the highfalutin whatever, right? Like you can get your PlayStation and your, your Xbox, whatever they're called these days, uh, for gaming on the high end, right? And sort of does Apple, does this fit in the middle? Is it where, where I guess what I'm asking, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I am wondering who are these people that buy the medium popcorn? Because there's, to your point about the pricing, there's sort <laughs> Mark of... Mark and me. Well, there's, there's two <laughs> legitimate strategies here, right? There is, you know, paying not the best price, still the lowest price, but not the best value for a normal human being quantity of popcorn at the movie theater, right? The small is good for that. The large is the best value, especially if you're totally okay in using it to fill a beanbag chair with the leftovers, right? Like that is a, a vast amount of popcorn for the highest price, but per, you know, per kernel is easily the, the best value. The medium is the one that like you, you get more than a normal human amount and yet you're not paying a, a, a lower amount per quantity for, for it. So um, it is up hashtag SKMTJC. Are you a medium popcorn <laughs> buyer uh, just for that? And I think that sort of applies here that I would I'd love to see. It is way easier to change the price. Just being realistic here, right? It is way easier to knock off $50 right off that price across all their models to make this, I think, a better uh, competitive product given they're already manufacturing these. Cool. Well, I got to give a, sh- a shout out to Evan K. Stone, who's the one who came up with the medium popcorn <laughs> expression problem. Medium popcorn problem. All right. So anyway, so the other big thing that they announced, and, and this is the only part of the show that I actually got. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, there's one more thing before we get there. Um, yeah, it kind of falls along the color theme there, Jaime. The surprise, surprise color IMAX, which nobody was surprised by. Yeah, I don't know if we knew the colors specifically. I believe there are seven colors. Um, yeah. There were still some surprises to be found in this uh, in this colorful IMAX powered by the... Yeah, they weren't quite as muted as, as you would expect, right? Like, I think right. if they had a purple IMAX, it would be purple, right? Wait, they don't have a purple IMAX? They do have a purple one. Oh, you okay. go to the uh, <laughs> Apple.com IMAX 24. It is, it is closer mm. to being legitimately purple depending on which side you're looking on, <laughs> right? So right. you go to Apple.com <laughs> slash iMac hyphen 24 and you, I don't know, scroll maybe a quarter of the way down the page. They let you see all the different color options. And if you look at the side of the device and you look at the back of the device, that is actually the purple that I want. Mm, On the front, okay. however, is something more like lilac or lavender or mauve, right? Like I'm less pleased oh, right. with that color segment. So yes and no, it is there. There is a, they claim it to be purple color for the iMac, including uh, yeah, orange, for people coming yellow, into your office, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the color pink, they'll see when they eventually come to your office. Green and uh, traditional silver. Yeah. I, it just, so I was going to mention this before the show, but but I just want to talk about it now. But but I don't know if you remember when they came up with the color IMAX. Uh, initially, they were, they all had a name, like the strawberry and the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never had the IMAX lemon right. till now. Did they call it? <laughs> Do they call it the lemon? No. No, they didn't. But I'm I'm just jokingly calling it the, it's, I'm, it's more like a canary than there than, than as far as yellow colors go. It's not, a, it's not a lemon yellow, right? But I just, I always thought that was odd that they had, you know, the, the, the different colors and they all had a name like raspberry and blueberry and cherry and whatever, you know, uh, grape, right? But they never, they never had a yellow. Well, back. they might've done that very much on purpose. Yeah. This is what I, where I'm going with Who's that. Who's going right. to buy, who wants to buy a lemon? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So color iMac, yeah. 4.5K display for those who are splitting hairs. Um, neural engine, tone mapping, improved camera. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the whole idea behind the working from home uh, point of view with the improved camera 
cameras and uh, to basically make you look better on the thing, as well as a three mic array for better sound and even more efficient speakers for the WebEx and, you know, Zoom watching folks out there, right? And Mark finally came up with a Touch ID keyboard. Yeah, I might have to buy one of those. Did they say <laughs> when those are available? I don't know, but but do they, do they, I wonder what Macs they're compatible with. I saw right? an article that said they're compatible with all M1 Macs. Oh, nice. Okay, sure. Means right. that I'm good. You're good, yeah. Are you using clamshell mode for your, or you're on a mini? Never I'm on mind. a mini, yeah, now. Right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Touch ID is like, that's sent from the gods, I gotta say, you know, sure. It'd be nice um, to have uh, Face ID on a, on a Mac, though, wouldn't it? Yes, that's true, that's true. But then would you want it waking up every time you walk by it? <laughs> I guess depending on your, your home layout, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. I guess in the office that might be bad, but, but I mean, they could make it very directional, so you have to be looking right at it. Right. The one thing I'm not super thrilled about, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with the idea of the, the, you know, we talked about MagSafe Max before, MagSafe Power Supplies. MagSafe is back on the on this new iMac, right? Because it's got this fancy cable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Ethernet goes through the power brick, right? That's yeah, on that's the side. pretty cool, actually. It is pretty cool, except for my one pit peeve is it's an external power brick. I mean, you know, my Apple II had one. You know, I've, I've had the, the, the uh, um, G4 Cube. My G4 Cube has an external power supply. I've never really been a big fan. Mind you, I shouldn't say that because we all work on laptops these days, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have external power bricks. But yeah, that is, I guess that's cool. <laughs> but I just found it odd for a desktop machine to have a, a, a you know, a brick. Mm. But mind you, I guess that's why they can keep it thin, too, because they don't have the transformer inside the, the case, right? Yep. Yeah, I feel like, and, and this will certainly vary with, you know, your particular home layout or office layout. Um, Tim, this one didn't bother me because I gladly make the trade-off for a thinner iMac and just shove the, the power brick off into the, the island of misfit toys where all my other power bricks are underneath my desk and never to be seen again right right, <laughs> right. Um, but I, I understand what you're talking about that it, it loses a little bit of the um some of the mystique, right? We're like, hey, it was all here. It's like, well, it's kind of not. There's this other thing <laughs> behind the scenes that's doing some work. But um, I think I'm okay with the trade-off personally, but I can totally understand why other people would would, would not be okay with it. I actually mm-hmm. really like the idea of not having to run that extra cable up to your computer. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're plugging it in somewhere close to where your Ethernet's coming in, you just leave the brick kind of over there, plug in the Ethernet cable, and just have the one wire coming up. I think that's kind of nice, personally. Right. It looks like the same same M1 chip. I'm just looking at the specs on the, the actual chips. They seem to have the same seven core GPU and eight core GPU that they they have on the oh, current. Yeah. I, I think they would have made a much bigger deal if it was a new chip. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wait, they all they, they all come with eight, eight gigs, but you can convert uh, up to get it to sixteen. Yep. I just want to see the ports because they talked about the four USBs, right? So they have okay. So there's a two port mo- model and a four port model, and with two USB four ports, right? But so all you know three so four USB three ports, but two of them are Thunderbolt. Um, no media slot, no HDMI slot, no. Hmm. I guess again, that's to make it thin, right? Yeah. The other thing is, uh, these are not the high-end iMacs. Right. They're not the pros. Right. So this oh. this is a 24-inch display in the same physical size or similar physical size as 21-inch. This is not the larger. What is it? 20, 27? 27. Yeah. 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 So that's I think something for, for folks to keep in mind because you you do get the two Thunderbolt ports. I think you can get more for whatever. 
recall. I, I did a bad job of writing my notes in this part, but this is, I think, very similar to their other first tier of, of M1 stuff. They're starting at the easier low end, and then they're going to start you know, cranking it up to 11 as they start marching towards something like the Mac Pro at the top on, uh, top end of the line. This is interesting. They have uh, the, the lower end model has blue, green, pink, and silver, and the high end model offers yellow, orange, and purple. I mean, yeah, it's kind of interesting the way they segmented that or, you know, we're still talking on the lower end. When we say low end, we we want to be really clear that the, the M1 is so powerful that it's like not true low end, right? But in terms of like yeah. where market segmentation is going to happen, um, it's weird that the, the lower end here for this iMac is split into an even lower end that only gets a handful of colors compared to the full seven for the uh, higher end of the low end. Oh, wait, you can get a built-in e- Visa mount as well. That's cool. You can order it with, without the stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the thing we didn't talk about in terms of the keyboard, which again, you know, the MTJC bump strikes again, where mm. they've, they've, they've taken our idea and said, yes, that's a good idea. MTJC crew, we should add a, a keyboard that has a touch ID in it. Um, right. did you also notice how ginormous the escape key is? <laughs> no. It is massive. It is if, it is if, you know, the designer who, who removed the escape key and the, and the, the touch bar MacBook pros was shaking his or her fist at everyone and said, you want an escape key? I will give you this thing is we'll going to be the size you. of a balloon or, escape key or or the designer who took away the escape key has been replaced by this new guy who's going to make sure that that never happened that doesn't happen to him right, right. <laughs> or her interesting <laughs> them yeah for sure it's funny yeah it, it, All right. it, it's one of those little things and uh, again going back to color um, I'm sort of split on this because you know if you were to ask me and I'm not in the market for an iMac um, I, I tend to use the, the MacBook Pros but if I were in the market for one what color would I get is, is sort of challenging because I'm, I'm really drawn towards uh, the purple color and the uh, the little red Corvette uh, they call it pink here but the back is red the problem being that front face right that front face is either lilac lavender for the purple or pepto-bismol for the front of the of the pink device which you know this is going to be one of those hard things given that we're in a pandemic world like i want to see what these actually look like in the real world right these are beautiful pictures um beautiful product photos but uh color accuracy is going to be difficult to judge from from these right like i want to see ideally i would want to see what does this device look like in my actual office right like that's yeah, that's the true thing but yeah. in, in lieu of that i'd like to see you know when it's safe i'd like to go in an apple store see what these look like and then make it sit in there from what i see here on the on the interwebs i would probably fall back to the blue or the green because they seem to have the most pleasant front face and uh back end um, combo of colors nothing wrong with silver although it's kind of kind of plain i like the new color schemes yeah so can we talk about the ipad now well before we go there i think the last thing that i had written in my notes was uh laugh out loud intel was holding us back is sort of the (laughs) sort (laughs) of the, uh, the understated but they actually did sort of state thing that was interesting so so kudos to apple as they continue to control the top uh top to bottom of the stack with uh, apple m1 nice yeah yeah so and the other so so the news the, i i don't know if it's a big story but the story is that the, the next piece they introduced is an m1 ipad pro to replace my 2020 ipad that i bought last year but yeah um up to 75 percent faster cpu performance according to their charts you know 1500 times faster graphics ultra the new ultra wide camera so that you know it has a feature the software feature called center stage where it'll follow you as you move around the camera angle will change um liquid retina 
really good retina crystal display, but this is using the mini LEDs. We've been talking about mini LEDs for the last couple of months, right? Or six months, right? That's the new sort of display technology. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And apparently, like, you know, gazillion times more, you know, LEDs than than in the, the uh, Pro XDR display. Um, yeah, they're calling this Liquid Pro XDR too, right? So it's like a, the same sort of quality or type of, not high end as, as the Pro Display XP, XDR, but you know, 4 million pixels in the in the 11-inch uh, model and uh, 15.6 million pixels in the 12-inch model as well, right? And a thousand, 10,000 LEDs in this in this device, right? And it also works with my smart keyboard, yay! Which is nice. I'm glad they didn't they didn't uh, switch over to uh, having to use, uh, you know, having to buy a new, you know, smart keyboard and all that stuff too, which is nice. I mean, the, and the same pencil, right? As a, you know, someone who bought these things last year, it's nice to know that uh, I, could, I can upgrade just the actual device and not worry about my peripherals. Yeah, that's that's good because, you know, um, it's a little silly to have to change. I mean, I think there should always be nice to, to add and change, but falling back to backwards compatibility mode is is yeah. acceptable, I think. So I'm glad to see they didn't change any of that. Yeah, it looks nice. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I really like my, my I mean, of all the things I bought last year, I think I, I do, you know, because I, I have a work computer and I have a home computer and my development computer is my home computer, um, my personal development, whatever. but my iPad, I use it in my day-to-day work because I use it for all of my tools and as well as, you know, web access and stuff like that. I just find it works much better than trying to struggle through VPNs and all that stuff, right? Um, and it's, and it, you know, it sits here on this nice little, you know, smart keyboard, you know, but it's nice. I can continue to work while, I, while I'm in a meeting and that kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, look things stop and stuff like that. But yeah, this, this I think uh, this iPad is really compelling, you know, for me. But uh, And with this model, I mean, it's really getting hard to see the difference between this model and a MacBook 13-inch, right? Except, I mean, except for, for the, the software it's running. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you take this iPad, stick it in, what is the magic keyboard with the with the trackpad and all that? Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to see the difference. So it, it really asks the question, why Man. can't we run Mac OS X <laughs> on this thing and, and Xcode and all that? I mean, it's well, it's almost like it's, it's almost like when they like, said we couldn't run on Intel. Remember they used to say that they couldn't yeah. run macOS on, the, or you couldn't run in Intel. And then guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially you take one of these things, you power an external display, you run macOS mm-hmm. 10 on this thing. You can't tell that this isn't a MacBook, a 13-inch MacBook. You no yeah. way to tell. You don't think somebody's going to try that? Oh, of course. Yeah, someone will hack it. Of course, <laughs> but I mean, you. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, an officially supported way, right? Oh, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at this. So, an 11-inch iPad Pro is 7.99 US base price mm-hmm. and the 12.9 inch display is 1099 us base price and <laughs> i don't know the dimensions but that's really close to that 13 inch macbook yeah. pro that, that mark is yeah. talking about yeah and, no, definitely is. and yeah. that thing plus a magic keyboard costs more than the than the 13 inch uh, macbook air does it oh right yeah, yeah. Huh. well it's got the it's got the mini led technology as well right so yeah it, it, yeah. it, it and again it also has it also has touch and it also has uh, a pencil support right, right. so right 5G upgrade for uh, yeah. capability. Yeah. I mean, you can run Photoshop on it. You run, you know, um, uh, the Affinity software on here. You can run. There's a number of apps you can run on here that that make it compelling. You've got the whole drag and drop thing going. You've got files. You can put USBs into it. You know, um, you can put media adapters and 
and use those with it. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with an iPad now that you could do couldn't do before. You can use a mouse. Like I've I've hooked up a mouse to my iPad as well, right? Um, so or a trackpad as well. It comes with you know, if you get the smart keyboard, you get the trackpad. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of things about it that that make it. I'm going to do air quotes here a computer, yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, why can't we have Logic Pro? Why can't we have Final Cut Pro? We sort of do, I think. And why can't we have you know Xcode? Yep, I think it's time. The, the big question. That's my predict. Okay, my prediction is within the year. Yeah, this will be a thing. Well, what if what what if they win? What if we what if we're looking at this wrong? What if they're thinking? What if you know? Because one of the other things that we've always wanted is a touch bar or touchable or touch controlled Mac, right? Because this is kind of this is you're, we're now seeing that the technology is merging together, right? Why couldn't they have a MacBook Pro that supports pencil and as a touchscreen? What would be the difference? Well, exactly, except the OS, OS, right? So why couldn't the, why can't you double? Why can't you dual boot this thing? Forget about it. Forget about mm-hmm. new hardware. We don't even need it. You dual boot this thing. It could be an iPad one day, or it can be a, a Mac tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that isn't that what the Surface is? The Microsoft Surface. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, yeah, it mm-hmm. is the Surface because it's a Windows machine, right? It's actual runs actual Windows, right? Yes, it does. Yep, yep. Just a matter of yep. time. Yep, yep. Indeed. I, I was on record. If now, how much back, would you pay? Yeah, people go back and read these podcasts. <laughs> I was talking about the merger of iOS and macOS. How many years right. ago was that? Yeah. I was just ahead you of my time. <laughs> yeah, I was looking up yeah. antonyms for catalyst, and there's no good sounding ones. You'd have to choose something mm. different. But the, you know, the the blurring of the lines that Project Catalyst gives you of bringing you be able to bring you know iOS apps over to the Mac, it'd be kind of nice to see the opposite, right? The other direction. As well, yep. Mac OS. If only this show had an etymologist on it, right? I went to thesaurus.com <laughs> and, and <laughs> chose, and it was like blocker prevention. <laughs> None of these are good choices that uh, that sound good. <laughs> So you need a whole new well, catalyst. Movie. Yeah, catalyst. Well, catalyst is something that that I, uh, how I think of catalyst. I think about it from my art career. Is is you know you have like remember that liquid resin you could make you could mount things into and you know, float pennies in them or whatever. And you had to add a catalyst to make it you know go from liquid to solid. Right. But that's where the word catalyst in my well, mind. Comes yeah, it's from. a chemistry term. Yeah, it's a, a reactant, it's, it's right? some kind of a chemical that that enables or enhances some chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. So why were you looking for? an antonym to that i mean if i find something snarky say oh they should name it project and i was like oh there's no good antonyms <laughs> for the opposite of catalyst yes we have cinnamon synonyms.com let's go there and see what they say but synonyms sure um antonyms are, yeah. are are challenging anti-catalyst well there you go <laughs> yeah that would send the wrong message so that would prevent Inhibitor, prevent you from running apps on the other platform we already have that <laughs> yeah we have that already yeah good old yeah. project yeah. anti-disestablishmentarianism is <laughs> right what we're going mm-hmm. with yeah. Hmm. So good events. Um, we didn't talk about uh, what could have been a Tom Cruise cameo uh, in an alternate reality. Oh yeah, no, was, definitely. Was, yeah, Mr. Tim Cook uh, sneaking into his, his own building just to hijack yeah. some uh, some M1s mm-hmm. in the the Mission Impossible style video. Yeah, that was pretty. Something fun. tells me that wasn't really Tim Cook climbing through the window. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. But solid event. I think it took right around an hour, uh, maybe just under. Exactly. And it was, it was exactly packed. Hour, we, yeah. we talked about the hold yeah. my beer moment in the first, you know, five, ten minutes. And, uh, you know, one of the benefits, and I think we've talked about this with WWDC, and it will likely be the same, is that without the live sort of portions, it means that everything is trim. There's no mistakes. There's no, whoops, the software did something bad. Whoops, you know, Wi-Fi was bad. And there's kind of also, even though they brought in uh, third-party developers, 
developers, like for the you know, Divinity, Original Sin, and other folks, they don't have the, all right, let's just bring this entire presentation to a grinding halt for 10 to 15 minutes as you watch this awkward demo occur. They don't have any And waiting for the people to walk on and off stage, too. That's the other thing, too, is like, that's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of sort of side stuff that has to happen. You have to mill into the room and find a seat and you know, whatever, right? Yeah. So it's it's, it's crisper. So I, I really like what they're doing here. And even when we, we come out of this pandemic and they can do live events, I, I'm hoping they continue to push a lot of the, the, the pre-canned video and then do, the, you know, what being live and in-person does and, and make that bigger you know, hybrid part of the way it works. Yeah, I kind of wonder if conferences in general are going to change because, I mean, that was sort of the thing was the mecca you would go to. And it's not just WWC, you know, just about anything, any industry has some sort of conference where people get up and do talks or, you know, they have demos on the, the show showroom floor sort of thing, right? Like a Macworld used to be, used to do, right? Um, you know, that kind of, in our in our realm of things, the Macworld is gone and, and uh, WWDC never really sort of adopted that sort of style of conferencing. But um, it kind of begs the question, like like 360 iDev this year is talking about, and at this point in time, they're talking about doing a hybrid conference where you can buy an online ticket or you can actually go to Denver and, and be in person, right? So, and by the way, they just announced that the keynote speaker is Joe Triplinski, friend of the show, right? And um, um, so I assume Joe's going to be in Denver for the keynote, right? But uh, but kind of interesting to see that, is that going to be how we're going to have conferences in the future? Are they going to be hybrid experiences like that? You know, or are they going to be all online? Like, I mean, like, you know, so many conferences are happening in Europe this year that are all happening online. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can participate, right? So, you know, the, the economies of, of staying with this, this style. I mean, like you said, for Apple, they can put a lot more spit and polish on a presentation. The videos are much more succinct. They can drop a day's worth of content, you know, in the morning. And there's a lot of benefits to seeing WWDC evolve into this sort of the style it is now, right? What, why would they? Why would they go back? I mean, other than other than the actual in-person networking experience, right? Which I still maintain is is a big part of going to WWDC, right? Is it's it's one thing to be a developer sitting in your basement working on iOS. It's another to be in a room with five thousand other people doing the same thing, right? Yeah, I think the networking and and festival celebration aspect is is something we cannot have with a virtual event. So I I don't right. want to see that go away long term, but I, I do like the crispness. Like, let's look at it this way. Like, I appreciate the fact that Apple was able to trim this down to just the bare essentials, get everything out there that you truly want to do. When you think about it, it, it really could be the opposite, right? Like, normally, they would have to tell the press well in advance, hey, there's going to be an event so that people could come from all over the country, all over the world, and sit there in a conference center to, to see, right? So there's like a, a, is it plausible for people to fly in sort of thing? That doesn't apply here, right? Apple could say, hey, guess what? To, you know, this morning, we're going to have an event. <laughs> and if you're a serious journalist, you're going to attend. You're going to clear your calendar, right? Uh, it's very easy to jump onto a live stream. There is low friction there. And since it is something that, you know, they also don't have to worry about people leaving and getting back home and jet lag and flying, there is no reason why this event couldn't be eight hours. Why not? We're Apple. <laughs> we're, we're, we're mad with power and, 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 right. and, and high on our hubris. You're going to watch this anyways because we know that you have to get the media stories, right? Here's a here's a two-hour demo for Minecraft. You're going to have to watch it and wait because we know you want to see what the new iPhone product is, right? Like I, yeah, I appreciate the fact missing, that though, it, even though they could hypothetically make it less, uh, less content-packed and less dense, they actually have made it denser and crisper and tighter. Well, I mean, what's missing, though, from this particular event was the white room. Remember that white room that Mark was, was at Dienza College that was at, Mark, where the, they had the white building that they 
yeah. up? Well, so after this presentation, normally all the, you know, the Randy Ritchies and the, the Jim Del Rumples and all that kind of stuff would go into a room and they would be in the same room with the new iMacs and the new iP- uh, iPad Pro and, and the AirTags. And they would be giving us, you know, their, their hands-on reviews of, of what they saw, right? Um, that's missing mm-hmm. now. I mean, I, I, that not not to say that, you know, Apple's not going to ship them review product, right? But um, but that kind of, you know, hands-on experience that you sort of, we would get, you know, sort of that, that uh, after the event, like after the presentation kind of thing, right? That seems to me, that's missing from this particular file of event, right? For sure, for sure. And and that also gives you the uh, the alternative view of, well, how big is this thing? You can see yeah. people next to it. You say, what does the color really look like? Okay, well, it's not in a well-lit studio. It is whatever this person's iPhone was able to take. It gives you some conscious, like, oh, that's not as much contrast or that's not as bright or it's darker than I thought. It, it, there's all sorts of things you can infer from those sorts of hands-on uh, in the field pictures that are, to your point, still missing. How many neutron stars does an M1 chip weigh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Watching somebody do the uh, the world's strongest person sort of thing. <laughs> They're like you know, picking yeah. up stones and, and flipping logs and stuff. Yeah. yeah, interesting. All right, well, do we move on to our picks? Sure. Yes. All right. You want to go first? I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. I guess I'm going to do mine because you, you talked about the AirTag accessory. So as we mentioned Spoilers. in the show, there's <laughs> Uh, there's there's no strap or keyring or anything that comes with your your AirTag. So you might mm-hmm. buy Apple's. Uh, you could also buy some from uh, Belkin. It's got a keyring and a strap. Uh, Nomad has its own keychain, but also has a uh, like a sports glasses sort of a wraparound uh, necklace sort of thing. So you, you don't lose your glasses uh, and they're accessible. There's ruggedized ones from uh, Spigen. Hermes, man, this is a whole different class of, of person who... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who buys these? So I know Hermes stuff yeah. is expensive, but when you're talking uh, $299, $349, and $449 for just a tiny little keyring luggage tag bag charm kind of thing for your, your $30 air tag, that's a, that's that's a flex for your your, uh, your dollars. Of course, Apple has its uh, leather key loop polyurethane kind of like a sport band. Moment has probably the most interesting one in this list where they have uh, like this little fabric curved surface mount that you, it has a you know, stickiness in it and you put the air tag inside and you, you slap it on the side of your car so the dude where's my I car I like, I like the aesthetic of the duct tape though that sounds more like it to me <laughs> duct tape yeah yeah so check out this page it'll be uh, the link will be in the show notes for those of you driving at home uh, ton, tons of options here for uh, accessorizing your, your air tag mm-hmm. yeah I mean the, uh, you know the the you can get the polyurethane one like you said from Apple um, but the you know like it, the leather one just seems to be more polyurethane you kind of wonder like are we talking like plastic bag quality or the story here right so, yeah i wonder if it's I mean, gonna fill like the you know fluorolastomer style yeah. that you've got for i mean i would just think naturally oh they'll just make it from the same exact material as the watch bands that from the photo looks like it could be the watch band um it is notably 29 dollars. so if you buy one air tag and one apple uh air tag loop to go with it you're you're in for mm-hmm. another 29 dollars. well both the leather loop apple air tag leather loop and the leather key Bob thing are both available in product red too, which again will keep Carol happy. So that's good. Yeah, yeah it's just funny. Like you know, I, I think the we started to see the accessories come out. You know, 24 hours before the the event was announced, so it was kind of kind of they stole the thunder away from from this uh, particular thing as well, right? So yeah, yeah, as the I don't know who it was, but like the WalMarts and Targets of the world start putting the products on the, the the accessory products on their respective pages. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, so 
um, my first pick here is a thing called the Kensington Studio Dock for iPad Pro and iPad Air 4, which I assume also works with the new, shiny new one. I'm just going to do a quick search here so I can get a better page because I've got a YouTube video that's popping up here. I'd rather have just a page you can look at. Yeah, so, so this is kind of a cool, cool uh, device. It's a stand. It's expensive. I mean, it's, it's around the price of, of the Magic Keyboard, but it doesn't have a keyboard. Um, but it's it's almost like the uh, the stand for the um, Pro Display X, XDR. It's got a, a magnetic uh, thing you you snap your your uh, your iPad to, um, and you it has a rotatable mount, so it sits on it sits like it's very much like an iPad or, or an iMac uh, table or stand. You know, it's got a flat section and then it sticks up, and then the the iPad is at an angle, and you can have it you know portrait or landscape mode. Um, it has a bunch of it, it has a uh, plugs into the USB port on the back, so it can actually charge and, and has other interfaces to it. It has like other um, ports that you can add to it, so as well as you know through the through the stand charging like the iPad, like the current one does. Um, but it's uh, also got on the bottom of it, it's got like a magnetic charging area, so you can put your watch down on it and your almost like the Air Power. Remember that mythical Air Power product? Uh, you can charge your phone and your watch side by side on on the bottom of this thing. Um, and I think the ports. I just want to check the ports here. Um, I believe it. Yeah, it's got two USB ports. I think it had an uh, SD slot on it as well. But yeah, card reader. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, so it's kind of a nice uh, dock for your um, to put your 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 iPad into. Not inexpensive. It's three ninety nine um, listed here on the Kensington store. So, but anyway, that's it's kind of an interesting thing. So I have video on it and sat and watched it for a bit. So it's kind of a, a interesting choice if you want to want to look at something for for the iP- for the iPad Pro or iPad Air four in your world um yeah it's cool and what's my you know how mark doesn't like third-party products what's my pet peeve i mean the death by a thousand cuts subscription services <laughs> yeah <laughs> but before we go before we go there i'm, yeah. I'm kind of curious because when i was hearing you talk about this as like this dock that you use for you know your your ipad being your, your iPad. primary device it also seems yeah. like it'd be really good when you wanted to use your ipad as like a sidecar uh, yeah. mode because it's i mean it's also got the chargers the wireless chargers they're like oh yeah i can see that being on my desk put it on the side throw my iphone throw airpods apple watch mm-hmm. would be nice if we were going to go there and put that on the side and, and don't even have to think about them and then use sidecar to extend what my monitor is doing like is it capable of doing that as well or? Uh, yeah i think it actually might actually have that built in because they they show a picture in the video and there's a picture on the, the site of, of a lady in front of her i think it actually drives an extra monitor if I, it has a oh it has an hdmi port on it right so i believe this is either a way you can drive another monitor or you can you can use it as a monitor on a on another device here yeah device. i can understand oh, on, oh and the, this is what it was the port's on the back and it has Ethernet as well. I forgot about the Ethernet jack. Uh, gigabit Ethernet, right? It's got a 3.5 mint. Remember audio jacks? Remember those things? Uh, it's got three USB-C ports on the back, right? So it, it creates more ports for your for your iPad to plug in things as well, right? Yeah, there is a video mode. I'm trying to remember. Take your video beyond the iPad with support for a single 4K HDMI 2.0 video. So I, yeah, so I think you can have an external monitor. Hmm, that's interesting. interesting. But yeah, you can obviously use it for your sidecar deal, like you said, right? 
mean, I get the use case of, oh, I want to have my iPad as the main computer. I want to hook it up to a larger monitor. I totally get that. Not denying that case. Um, that's not my use case. Like I wouldn't use my iPad as my, my main device. That's just not the way I live my life. But I could see, oh, I would like to have my iPad in a nice stable area as mm-hmm. something to use for a sidecar. And as long as that space is already being used, you know, on my desk, sure it would be nice to be able to charge my iPhone and other, you know, uh, wireless charging devices under there. So I think it's a pretty solid combination there. Yeah. I'm looking on the website. It says sold out too. <laughs> Even at the high price that we mentioned, people are like, gimme, gimme, gimme. So see, it's got gimme, the right idea there. Have it. Yep, yep. And anyway, so like I was saying, the, the, my, my favorite thing is my death by a thousand cuts is the idea of subscriptions. And uh, so uh, I saw a developer post something. This is a new app that he posted on the, on the show. Um, I should go find out what his name is. But uh, anyway, it's it's called Subs, uh, S-U-B-S. And it basically keeps lets you keep track of your subscriptions. And what's nice, it's from Vladimir Grashkin. Sorry, buddy. That's how I read your name. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so what it does is it lets you, it lets you put in individual subscriptions in your, into here. And then, you know, you put like a, a, a frequency when, when it renews, like monthly or, or six months or whatever. So for instance, I'm looking right now, we've got our Fireside subscriptions coming up. I got my Apple One coming up on the 24th. I have my Bell Internet's coming up. I have my Visa's are due, you know, and so I can, I can put in any kind of things in here. I put in Amazon, my Amazon Prime, I put my Tunnel Bear subscription in here, um, any number of things, and uh, including my setup one. And then it also gives you analytics in terms of what your what your uh, overall pay, price is. So it shows you your costs over the next 12 months or the next year. You can sort of get an idea of how much you're going to be spending uh, in your subscriptions. So in on average, my subscriptions per month are $700 a month, um, which is nice to know <laughs> rather than just kind of, you know, doing doing math on the back of an envelope or whatever. Um, so it you know, tells you how many subscriptions you have in the month and, and that coming up. So it's a really nice little app. Um, it's There's a premium service. Uh, I lucked in and got, got in early, so I have the premium version, premium purchase version. But yeah, it's a good, good little app. Um, it's, you know, been updated a few times since I, I've installed it. And um, yeah, I like it a lot. You can put in your default currency, like in my case, Canadian dollars, although I do have some US subscriptions. Um, it'll send out a notification that you prescribe time. So I've got mine set for 10 a.m. And I also can put in my default payment methods, which which is which card I like to use uh, more than not. You can also protect it with Face ID, right? So if you want, if you're concerned about privacy or people seeing what you're what you're spending your money on, but yeah, I can see from here very quickly uh, where the money is going. So it's nice, Dubs. It's cool. It's got uh, widgets as well, and the notifications is pretty nice to let you know. Hey, I'm just looking at their app store thing. Like, hey, yeah, your trial period is ending, so you're gonna have to pony up money and you're gonna be paid from this card on this date. Cancel if you want. Yeah, and, and I mean, it automatically it puts in artwork for specific things, but um, uh, you can you can you know upload a custom logo if you want if you put your own one in so yeah you and it's got the t- today widgets like you said um yeah it runs on ipad too i didn't realize that i wonder if he sync hmm, check that out but uh yeah really cool a lot he's got lots of good ratings on it so so far not a bad for a first attempt all right well i guess that's it for another week okay so hey how many people want to get in touch with you where would they find you i'm on the internet as dev the hair on the internet generally on the internet going to google and type that you know i, I <laughs> usually say i'm on twitter as at dev of the hair but you know what it's actually true on github as well so pretty good chance right. if you go to dev of the hair like dev of the hair.com etc etc like there's pretty good chance that's me i'm not going to confirm that it's me just in case there's some imposter out there that's doing nefarious things <laughs> please don't send me your your angry messages um but yeah probably probably pretty good chance so i'm on twitter's at dev of the hair that's the easiest way all right and mark if people want to find you on the internet where they look and try mark r at smapsoft.com 
Tim@timitra.com. All right. And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-I-T-R-A, on most things, but I tell people to go to Twitter because that's where I probably pay the most attention. Um, so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. But Roger Waters has rescheduled his. Yeah, and said, I, I know. I've been getting uh, ads for <laughs> a 2022 show. Yeah, that they want me to buy yeah. tickets for now. Oh, you didn't buy? T- I I already bought two tickets, and I forgot. I was telling John and Jaime that I'd forgotten what what shows I had lined up. Right? Mm, yeah, yeah. I had to cancel some of them. I think I had Steely Dan, and I had um yeah Steely Dan, and I had um James Taylor. Finally got a ticket, chance to see him, but then of course pandemic hit. Yep. So what was the last show you went to? <sighs> Um, I think it was uh, at Danforth Music Hall. I think it was those guys from England. Who had seen oh, the, those guys from England? Yeah. 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 Those guys, what are they called? Um, hang on a sec. Let me log into Setlist and tell you. Oasis? No. Culture Club? <laughs> no, not those guys. Millie Vanilli? Really? Wait, wait, did I log in? Hold on here. Nickelback? Are they from the UK? They probably are. I don't know. Sorry, what? Are Nickelback from the UK? No, they're Canadian. Canadian. They're Canadian. Oh. Okay. Canada's own. Sorry. We, oh, Good Lovelies is the last people I saw. Black Keys I saw at um, Scotiabank. Hmm. I just when I saw those other guys. Struts. No, okay. Struts, I saw them back in September. Yeah, December, we went to a Christmas show, Carol and I, at the Danforth Musical, just before the hell, all hell broke loose. I actually went to a show the night before we went into work from home here. <laughs> it was uh, oh, w- did you? Wishbone Ash. And so, yeah, yeah. so a year ago, just over a year ago, March, the night before we went, we were sh- we started to shut down. I went to a show the night before. Mm-hmm. So at least I you know, went out with a bang before a year of doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Have you had vaccine number two yet? I did. Yeah, this week. Yep. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm good to go. Well, you're good not to get sick, you mean. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, sure. You're not, you're not impervious to COVID. No, that's you're just true. not going to end up in true. the hospital. Did you have your second shot? I have not had my second one yet, no. Wait, I thought you yeah, got I, Johnson well, & Johnson. There is no second shot for you. No, no, I got I, AstraZeneca. I'm, I'm, uh, AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca? Okay. One of the other mm-hmm. one-shot ones. Yeah. Oh? No. Is Johnson & Johnson the only single shot? I thought AstraZeneca was all yeah, right. I think so. yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. We've got my appointment so what's for the... tomorrow, which is ah, my first, which is good. Oh, really? How much, how long do they make you wait, Tim, before between shots for AstraZeneca? Because it seems like I thought you got yours before me. I did. Uh, I think it's 
I think it's 45 days or four to six weeks or something like that. But yeah, the oh, challenge wow. with us is, is getting stock, right? Because mm. we don't make them in Canada, so right, it's hard for us right. to get them, right? So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I got I have to check and see when I got my, oh, I can check on my app. Um, I should be, I should be due any day. Any day. I mean, I'm, I think I'm technically eligible to get it now, right? So. Oh, so you don't make an appointment yeah, I don't know at if the it's... time that you got your first shot. That's how they do it here. What's that? You don't make an appointment? No, you do make, when you get your first shot here, you make an appointment for your second oh, shot. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't do it that way with us. Uh, I went on the very first day, though, so mm-hmm. maybe that's why. So as far as I can tell, it's, it's become relatively easy now to get a shot around here, which is good. Uh, pretty much everyone I know has gotten their first one. Yeah, they're starting to do the stories about vaccine hesitancy. So the rate yep. in the United States as a whole is going down um, because of you're pretty much hitting the folks who are the easiest to hit, the people who are highly motivated to get it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And now we're, we're with the folks who are going to be more challenging to convince for, for various reasons. Some of it political, mm-hmm. some of it, uh, uh, you know, racial history, and some of it just people not not trusting. Um, uh, I mean, these vaccines are under special order, right? They're not. Uh, I, I think they're perfectly safe, of course, but they're not under um, the the normal process, right? right. Which is right. why they had to pause the Johnson and Johnson one, given that, like, well, the special order says we have to know all the side effects, and if there's a new one, then you have to stop using it until we see what those are. Look at the data, and expecting on Friday to have a new order that says, okay. Here's you go start using again but let people know about the side effect Mm -hmm. yeah i'm at i'm at five weeks now i guess of course, you know, it snowed here this morning, so my furnace is... Yeah, I know. I've been here about that. <laughs> Every, everyone that I know from Toronto is posting China? on yeah. Facebook or whatever or Slack. Well, we it's not like we didn't know. They told us it was going to snow on Tuesday, right? So no surprise. Yep. You know, but uh, yeah, it was a bit of a interesting morning. I took a picture. Well, I posted it on Slack, right? So if you saw it this yep. morning. I, I did see it. Yeah, and the snow was like pretty pretty uh, stuck on. Like it was not like, you know, it kind of piled on all, all the trees. It didn't quite, you know, disappear right away. So, so is it sticking or is it just kind of melting away? No, no, it's all gone. It's all, it's all melted. Oh, okay. Yeah, the dog's disappointed. He loves eating the snow. Yeah. yeah poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. Does he like the yellow snow? <laughs> he stopped to sniff the yellow snow. Yeah. He does, definitely. <laughs> He's into the yellow snow for sure. It's, you know what we, Frank said about that, right? Yes. Yeah. We um, we refer to it as uh, reading the nose paper <laughs> as he goes over his walk. He has to stop and sniff where all the other dogs have been. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you know, if he doesn't like the dog that was there, he has to pee on top of where the dog was. Right. <laughs> Established dominance. Did Apple ever use the Rolling Stone song for a Colors Mac commercial? Cars? Huh? They used no, the no, rain- colored, they used colored she- Mac. She's a rainbow. Did, did they ever yeah, use they that? Yeah, they used that for the... Um- the colored uh, Max when they first came out. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. It's like a rain. Yeah, that song popped into my head as I saw iMac in colors. So I'm like, <laughs> why did that happen? Oh, yeah, and that's why. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe I'll save it for I'll save it for, save my comment for the show about the yellow iMac. But we'll come back to that one. Um, Tim, you're the editor. You can make this any part of the show you want. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But you I'd can throw it in as a non sequitur. Like, <laughs> what they were they were talking about wait, snow in what? Canada. Why did they suddenly talk about this? Wait, what? I'm just kind of waiting to see if my furnace is going to turn off. Hang on a sec. Maybe that cold in the house. It doesn't feel that cold. I'm in shorts because it's <laughs> Poor high guy. 60s, low 70s, I think. Actually, wow. I don't know the 67? Yeah. Well, I, was, I wasn't wearing socks for most of the week. Yeah, it's, it's already 18.5 here, so it should go off anytime soon. I guess we'll just dive in. My problem to edit it, right? Yep. You can't hear. Can you hear the white noise in the background? No, nope. I, I don't hear it. I don't mind. But we know that Zoom is uh, always kind of questionable yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, You'd have to try recording yourself and listening 
listening to yourself locally to see if you, your microphone. Well, I don't see the I don't see the mute, the meter moving at all on my recording on my end, and this mic's pretty good. But I just I can hear the you know like I'm monitoring everything. And I can hear it through the headphones. All right. Anywho, alrighty. Um, yeah, three twenty six, right? I believe so. Looking at the website, at three twenty five is the last one I saw. I'm double checking because we had the the audit. Well, don't forget I do the website too, so I could screw that up, right? <laughs> well, okay. Now, now you got me wondering. Let me let me double. Check. Now a tinge of doubt comes into his mind. No, it is three twenty six. You're right. Yeah, because I was like, Alrighty. I have to check out the um, the saved copies I have in uh, Dropbox. I tend to be pretty good about that. Do, 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 do. No exciting politics happening in the states. Should probably go no? off the uh, off the air for that one. <laughs> oh, really? Going that route. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Maybe let's go ahead and do that. Let me let me stop my quick time. All right. Well, let's say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh yeah. Bye. <laughs> did you not say that at the end? I thought you did. Maybe I. I did. No, I meant I meant for the after show part. Okay. Hang on. All right. Let me Where's let me stop everything and, and save. And the dogs here to go.